If you're still there, I hope you brought your Bible with you. If you didn't, you'd find one under a pew chair near you and turn to Psalm 80. Psalm 80. It is not light and bright and sunny outside, so I decided to bring it inside. Hey, well, anyway. And how did I do that? There is a verse that, or there's a phrase that is found three times in this psalm. It says, Cause thy face to shine upon us, and we will be saved. I've called the sermon this morning, Living in the Light, because we need to have that perspective. The psalm is written in the light of this. Israel, for many years, had been sinning against God. God had given them time after time to repent. He had brought prophets. He had brought kings. There were a few revivals, but they continued to go back into idolatry. And finally, God said, enough is enough. And he deported the northern kingdom, the kingdom of Israel, from its homeland to Assyria. Judah, the southern kingdom, saw what happened. They also knew that they themselves were living that same way. Now, they had had a few major revivals, but they always went back to idolatry and sin and disobedience and rebellion one more time. The psalmist saw what was going on, and that is the basis and the background for this psalm. They are scared. They are living in fear of God, and rightly so, because they knew they also deserved judgment. They also knew that on their own power, there was no way they could please God. There was no way that they could be obedient and be who God wanted them to be. And so with that as a background, let us look at what it says in the text uh, before us this morning. The first, uh, first um, uh, point that I like to say is we need light. There's no doubt about it. Look with me, if you would, please, to Psalm, 100, uh, Psalm 80, verse 1. O give ear, shepherd of Israel, thou who dost lead Joseph like a flock, before Ephraim and Benjamin and Manasseh, stir up thy power, come and save us. O God, restore us, and cause thy face to shine upon us, and we will be saved. Notice they knew that without God's full blast shine on them, His blessing, His presence, they were doomed. There was no hope for them. They knew that He alone could save them. They knew that He alone could restore them. There was nothing in themselves that merited God's favor, period. That's the way it is. But the thing that keeps coming back in verse one, it says, uh, shine forth. And then in verse three, it says, and cause thy face to shine upon us and we will be saved. Now, I like light. I have to tell you, some of you uh, are a little like me. I'm getting older. I'm in my, um, let's just say I'm past 50 and not quite 60. How's that? I'm 58. I'll tell you what, every year when I work on something, I need more light. I don't know what it is, but the the headlights just seem to get duller and duller. And I couldn't figure out, and this week I did some research, I actually did it last week, I did some research about light. And I found out things about light that I probably should have learned in high school, but I never did, but I found them out. And I was always wondering why if I'm working on something in my shop 
and it was hard to see, I would walk outside in the sunlight, and all of a sudden, I could actually see it. I didn't know why. Well, I did some research, and I found out a few things. Because, if you start at the bottom, direct sunlight has up to 130,000 lux. Now, lux simply means the amount of luminance in one square meter. That's all that it means. I know nothing more than that. You may know a lot more about than I do. All it tells me, it is a um, um, measure of brightness and how bright something looks. Well, if you look, it says that in an average uh, indoor lighting, like your house, in here it's probably less than 500 lux. If we turn the lights down, it would be way less than that. When you get down to about 100, you can barely read anymore. So, in the best lighting that you could have, let's say under the brightest chandelier in your dining room, right underneath it, you might have eight, nine, maybe a thousand, eight or 900 or 1,000 lux. But when you go outside, it's hundreds of times brighter. Now, what God is saying here, what the psalmist is making clear to us, is we don't need a little bit more light. We don't need somebody to come up and pat us on the shoulder. We don't need one more sermon, another counseling session. What we need is the full, direct spectrum of God's face shining on us. We have nothing to offer. There is nothing to compare with it. Isn't it amazing I'm always looking for a flashlight that works better. I don't know about you, but, you know, I do stuff and it's like, man, this flashlight is too dull. Some new one comes along, it's got LEDs or it's got this, and like, maybe it's brighter. Did you ever notice, no matter how great you think your flashlight is, it only looks great when it's really, really dark out. Take it outside, even on a day like today, which is way less than direct sunlight, and you turn it on, you go, is this thing actually working? You kind of got to go like this to see if the thing is on, right? That's the way it is. Well, when we're, what the psalmist was saying is we need the full spectrum. Everything God has to put in this direction. We need it or we are doomed. We need him. We need the full countenance of his face if we are going to survive. The fact is, we know that sunlight is one of those things that is absolutely necessary for life on earth. For all plant, almost all plants to grow, they need sunlight because of photosynthesis. They take in chlorophyll and they take sugar and I don't know how it all works. I didn't pay attention then either. But, but I do know that without it, the plants die. They cannot grow. I also know that if you don't get at least a little bit of sunlight and you don't get extra vitamin D in your diet, you're going to be deficient in vitamin D because your skin does something similar, not the same as photosynthesis, but it actually, somehow in your skin, it turns sunlight and some other things into vitamin D. It really is a powerful thing. We also know, and I think I have this. I have a mild case of what I'm going to tell you next. It's called SAD, S-A-D, Seasonal Affective Disorder. You know what that is? When you have short days, you feel sluggish. You feel sleepy. You're less energetic. That's me. I got to tell you. Remember about a month and a half ago when we had that one week where it was all bright and shiny and warm? I was working in my shop, and I looked out, and I'm like, 
The sun is shining. I actually took my workbench out in the driveway. I got to tell you, when I went in after working for a while, I'm like, man, I feel good. Because it was bright, direct sunlight. I could see. I mean, all of it was working together. I got to tell you, in the wintertime, I sleep more than I do in the summertime. In the summertime, my energy goes up. Why? Because the sun is something that has a direct effect on us. In the same way, God's face, His countenance, His presence, His intimacy changes our lives. If you're living on your own, you're living in the dark. You've got a flashlight at best. The power of His light is not happening in your life. When you're close to Him, and the closer you get to the light source, the brighter it is. The closer you get to Him, the more you see His power. If you are living a powerless Christian life right now, I suggest to you, get closer to the light. Get the clouds out of the way. Make it your business to get closer to the Lord. Because when you do, you're no longer sad. Seasonal dis... Uh, no, I got forgot it. Seasonal affective disorder. We could say it's lack of God disorder. Because we need to get closer to Him. We need light. And it's not just a little more light. We need that direct countenance of His face. We need to know that we are right with Him. Now, going on, we need light for this moment. If you would follow me, please, in verse 4. O Lord, God of hosts, how long wilt thou be angry with the prayer of thy people? Thou hast fed them with the bread of tears. Thou hast made them to drink the tears to drink tears in large manner. Thou hast made us an object of contention to our neighbors, and our enemies laugh among themselves. O God of hosts, restore us, and cause thy face to shine upon us, and we will be saved. I don't care what the problem is. I don't care what the circumstance is. Our application for today is that right now, most of us, unless you are living absolutely 100% for the Lord, we need a good dose of the countenance of His face. The full spectrum of what He has done for us. The full power. Remember, sunlight is more than just light. It's radiant heat, ultraviolet waves, all... Um, Infrared rays, it's all of those put together. We need the full impact of who God is and what He has done for us. In fact is, these people were saying, Lord, uh, our prayers don't seem to be going anywhere. It says, are you angry with our prayers? God, are you you're not paying attention to us anymore? It was their fear but he was. And he said, here we are. We are drinking tears. We're eating the bread of tears. There is disaster in our lives. It could be your job. It could be your spouse. It could be your family. It could be your health. I don't know what it is for you. A relationship. And you go, wow, the only thing that's left for this is tears. Is that all I get? I need more than that. I got to tell you, if you're looking to the circumstance or the other person or the, some kind of miraculous thing that's going to happen here on earth, you're looking the wrong direction. Because only, only God himself has the full power of the light 
to shine on that circumstance. You say, but it is just kicking me all over. I have tried my best. Stop trying your best. What you need to do is first and foremost determine you know you can't do it and you need to put it in the light. Remember, you know what the Bible says in the New Testament. Men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. You need to make sure you get rid of sin because then sin is like a cloud. It gets between the light of his countenance and your problem. We need the light. We need to get rid of the sin and allow him to have this full impact on our lives. He said, the the psalmist is saying, look, look around. Our neighbors, those nations next to us, they're laughing at us. Oh, you're God's people. Look what's happening to you. You just got sent into captivity. And the rest of you, you look like you're right at the edge. They're laughing at us. I have to tell you that by way of application, the church is no different. The world looks at us and says, why should I be a part of that? (laughs) Their lives are as messed up as ours are. Their marriages and families are as fragmented as ours. Their discontent and their gloom and doom attitude is just as bad as ours. Why would I want anything to do with it? That's what the neighbors of Israel were doing to Israel. The psalmist is concerned. And he knows one solution and only one solution. And that is the full impact of the presence of God. Does that mean you have nothing to do? The answer is no. The big thing you have to do is keep getting the clouds out of the way so the sun can shine through. Because I guarantee you, His countenance is shining. Just like the sun is shining today, you just don't see it because it's covered by the rain clouds. We, a lot of times, allow those things to cover what God wants to do in our lives. And so we, oh, well, yeah, there's light. And we live that way. Kind of seasonal affective disorder. (laughs) We never quite get it. He wants full rain full blast in our lives. But there's also light from the past. Now, the phrase that I've been using is not found in this next passage because it doesn't need to be. Because the psalmist goes back and says, look at what happened in history. Look at your history and see how God has shined upon you. Verse 8, if you will, please. Thou didst remove a vine from Egypt. Thou didst drive out the nations and thou didst plant it. Thou didst clear the ground before it, and it took deep root and filled the land, and the mountains were covered with its shadow, and the cedars of God with its bough. It was sending its branches to the sea, and its shoots to the river. He said, look at your history. You were a family. There was nothing that should have caused God to choose Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and the whole nation and take them from a family in Egypt into a nation under slavery and bring them out and put them in the promised land and drive out the people ahead of them. And they took deep root and they grew and became strong. There was no reason God should have done that. But He did it. That's what the psalmist is saying. He did it. There's no reason God should have chosen you. But He did it. And in the light of that, we can live and we can look back and say, yeah, there was light in the past. God had indeed, has indeed done a great work in our lives. Israel could do the same thing. There's no excuse. They knew the power of God. But verse 12 starts to get 
dull and gloomy big time. Look what it says. Thou hast broken down its hedges, so that all who pass that way pick its fruit. A boar from the forest eats it away, and whatever moves in the field feeds on it. He's talking about that vine that he is referring to, uh, that refers to Israel. He said the hedges, and the hedge is a stone wall. It's broken down. As I was thinking about this, and, and some of you have been in prayer meeting stuff, pray for my dad. He's not doing all that well at the moment. He had a slight heart attack, and he's got, had pneumonia, and uh, he's just kind of down and out. Well, I went to visit him last night, and I told him I was going to use this illustration this morning, and then he added to it. He said, but you remember this. Well, here's what it was. Think of the vine, Israel, or us as the cornfield. We planted corn. It was right next to the pasture. And we had an electric fence charger. Now, you may not know what that is, but an electric fence charger puts pulses of electricity through a wire that's on insulators, and cows are supposed to get shocked and not go through it. Well, we had one. It was called the Super Atom, and it was super nothing. I mean, that thing was worthless. The cows would walk right out of the pasture, right into the cornfield. It was miserable. We were always going and chasing them out of the cornfield. My dad was getting frustrated. He was getting angry. And finally, we took it down to 200 yards of electric fence, and the stupid cows walked right through it like it wasn't even there. He was done. He went to the farm store, and he got what is called a weed burner. Now, you don't need to know all about weed burners and electric fence chargers, but a weed burner will do exactly what it says. I touched it already, and it burnt the skin on my fingers. That's how... If a weed would get close to it, you could actually walk by the fence and you could hear it zapping the weed. And it would actually burn the weed off. He hooked that up, 200 yards of fence, and the cows, we turned them back in the pasture, and they thought, corn, great, and they went right for the fence. Now, what my dad told me is the next part. I knew they walked up, and cows are 10. I don't know how they do this, but they can actually go up to electric wire, get their nose real close to it, and tell if it's on or not. Well, the old one, they didn't care. They just walked right through it. It didn't knock them... Well, the cow walked up, sniffed it, got too close. It literally knocked that cow backwards on its behind. The one, and this is what my dad remembered. He says, you remember the one got up and tried it again, got knocked down again. Okay. The point is, there was a hedge. You take the hedge away, the cows could come in and destroy the cornfield. The psalmist is saying that's exactly what happened with Israel. You allowed the fences to be broken down, the hedges to be broken down, and our neighbors are coming in and they're devastating us. Hey, Assyria had just taken away the whole northern kingdom. It was gone. What is our protection? As Christians, what protection do we have? It seems like the world is moving in and we have no protection against it. God, why is it? And then he does another one. And I had seen this, I think it was on History Channel or Discovery Channel, that down south in the United States, wild boars have mixed with domestic hogs, and they are running wild, and they just can ruin a farmer's field in one night. They just go in and root everything to pieces. And uh, I looked, and sure enough, it said the, the boar has come in and devastated the field. Now, they are the ugliest-looking things you ever want to see. they got tusks, and they got a tough snout. And what do they do? They eat anything that's under the ground, the roots, the bugs, whatever. The fact is, when they're two weeks old, they start rooting for bugs and grubs. And so they can ruin fields in one night's time. The fact is, they feed from dusk to dawn. And by the way, the only time they're cute is when they look like a little watermelon with stripes on. Other than that, they're not cute at all. They're just ugly. But 
they will go in and completely destroy a crop. And that's what they do. These are pictures from the United States, but in one night's time, they ruin a guy's backyard. Or they ruin a whole farmer's field in one night. God said, I mean, I'm sorry, the psalmist said, God, why have you allowed the boar to come in and ruin our land? Why no? Why? Because the light wasn't shining. See, they had the light, but they didn't live in the light. And God had allowed them. No wonder they were living in fear. God knew and they knew that they were primed for judgment. But we're not going to stop there because that would be a pretty discouraging sermon. And it would also be a discouraging song. Because there is light. There's light for the future. And I want all of you to leave here. See, today we're going to participate in the Lord's Supper. It is an object lesson for us to encourage us to go on, to remind us of the great price, the light that we have for life, the power we have for living, the death for our sin, and the resurrection to show the new life, the resurrection life we have. That's what we want. I want you to leave. I don't care if it's raining when we leave. I want you to leave with light, full countenance, full spectrum of what God has for us. Look at verse 14. O Lord of hosts, turn again, we beseech thee. Look down from heaven and see and take care of this vine. Talking about Israel. said, God, we know that without you coming back and restoring it, we're back here. We're a disaster. We've been ruined by everything around us, our own sin, and others are making fun of us. It says, it goes on in verse 15, Even the shoot which the right, thy right hand has planted, and the son which thou hast strengthened for thyself. Again, here he's calling Israel his son. He calls them the vine. And it goes on in verse 16, It is burned with fire, it is cut down. They perish at the rebuke of thy countenance. Because, just remember, the same sunlight that is very beneficial is also the sunlight that ages your skin and causes cancer and a few other things as you go by. Sunburn really hurts, okay? His his countenance is rebuke also. Verse 17, let thy hand be upon the man of thy right hand, upon the son whom thou didst make strong for thyself. Notice God says, I have a vested interest. I have invested my reputation in Israel. Well, guess what? That is true. What happens to Israel is a reflection on God because he says, they're my people. And he's not changing his mind about that. For us, he says, I sent Christ to die for you. My reputation is on the line. You see, when we eat and drink of this, it says we proclaim his death till he comes. We're saying, Christ has done a work in my life. He's changed me. I'm living different. God's reputation is on the line when we as Christians live. How we live is a reflection of what God is doing to the world. They, they look at us, and if we're living powerless, we're not living in the light, we're living in sin. Why is the church different? Why, what's the difference? There is no big deal. Why, do I, why would I want to be a Christian? You're no different than I am. God has a vested interest. And verse 18, we bring it to a close. Then we shall not turn back from thee. He says there's a time. when We need to come to grips with it and say, Enough playing around is enough. I'm not going to live in the dark. I'm not going to live in the half light. I'm going to live in the full countenance, the shine of his face. 
and will call upon thy name. O Lord of hosts, restore us. Cause thy face to shine, and we shall be saved. God will remove his protection. He did to Israel. They sinned. He said, that's it. I'm, I'm taking you into captivity. I'm just backing off. I'm going to let the, your neighbors do whatever, and they're laughing at you, and they're taking you captive. God can do that. The clouds came in, covered the light. But God always has His light shining for us. He always wants the full spectrum of who He is and what He has done to shine in our favor, to give us a life that's worth living. The only way we can do that is confessing and forsaking the sin that we live in. And then God's full light of His face, of His life, will shine on us. I encourage you, don't leave here without confessing sin, forsaking it, moving on, allowing God's full power, full light to be your guide. I guarantee you by the time you get out the door, even before you get out the door, one of your kids or your spouse is going to nip you off. You know, somebody is going to forget to shake your hand and you're going to, oh, what are they? I don't care what it is. Something's going to happen to start dull in the light. But I got to tell you, you don't have to leave it that way. You can live in the full light, full daylight. All those lux from God in your life. That's what he wants. Every time you see the sun, remember. If you don't remember anything else from this sermon, it's like when you see the sun, that's what God wants to do. The impact, the power that the sun has on us, that's what God wants in your life. But this morning, we're going to look at one other direction, and that is the great object lesson that God has given us to remind us of the work He's done on our behalf, and that is the Lord's table. His body His blood that was shed for us so that our sin could be forgiven, so we would have the power to live a life that's pleasing to Him, one that's worthy. In fact, as He says, that if we eat and drink in an unworthy manner, we're going to be judged by Him. Now, nobody is going to ask you, why did you take communion or why didn't you take communion? That's between you and the Lord. If you're out of fellowship with God, please don't take communion. You're eating and drinking judgment because you're saying when you take that is I'm proclaiming his death. I'm proclaiming that sin's been dealt with in my life. Don't. Nobody's going to ask you anything. Between you and God, you need to make that decision. If you're not right with God, you're not right with others, please don't participate. If you are, please celebrate because that's why he gave it to us. And even if you don't, it's a reminder of where he wants you to be and where you can be. You can be in the full light of what he has for us. Men, if you would come forward, please.